The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast via the BBC Sounds app. This week, Dave Gillam was my special guest, taking your calls on everything. I tell you what, greenhouses. We had loads of questions on greenhouses. Moss in your lawns, moss on your greenhouses and ivy. We've got some top tips on things you could be using in your garden. And that's actually a tip about going to your garden centre and which plants to buy, where to get your best value. So I tell you what, also, plant of the week. One of my favourites this week, but I'm not going to tell you more. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Graham. A lot of you will know of Graham Napier because Graham Napier is a former Essex cricketer. He's a Chelmsford boy, and, well, I say a Chelmsford boy. Have you always been a Chelmsford boy, Graham? Uh, born and bred in Colchester, uh, lived uh, most of my adult life uh, in Chelmsford, and now have uh, retreated to uh, the Suffolk countryside in Bury St Edmunds. <laughs> Very nice too. Well, you you are, is it yourself that's doing up your back garden? Um, so uh, we uh, decided to create a, an extra parking space um, uh, on our driveway, and in doing so, um, created a lot of extra turf. Right. Um, and the question was what to do with the turf. So um, I've uh, sort of spread it over what was... Not much of a lawn, right? It was mainly moss. Right. Um, and moved the rest into the back garden uh, to create a sort of raised, raised veggie patch um, as we've got a newborn. And um, uh, in the future, it'd be nice for her to sort of grow her own vegetables and eat them. Very nice too. So we've got first, we've got an area to consider that's going to be a lawn area? Yes. It, um, but so the first area is definitely a lawn area. Uh, it's a sort of front side garden, uh, so it's quite a sort of quite a nice visual piece as people drive in. Uh, unfortunately, it's quite shaded. It's um, sort of east facing, so it only gets morning sunshine. Now that 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 does sometimes make. Uh, I mean, I would firstly say I'd turf it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Except worry about seeding. Seeding is going to be hard work. Yeah. However, some of the area is this the area that I've got a picture of with sleepers along the back. Uh, that's the back garden. So that's the raised veg patch. That's over. Oh right. Sort of, so let's uh, stick on the. We'll stick on the front first. <laughs> so if it doesn't, if it doesn't get much shade, it would still be better. It will be better turfed. However, it won't. It won't always survive in the very heavy shaded areas, because no. uh, my guest today is is Dave, who's well a local horticulturalist and in fact works in the garden centre. So. You would suggest possibly turfing, as I I would, yeah? Yeah, I think to get a decent level on certain areas, especially this, this time of year where it's so wet and you can't really get a till for a fine layer on the, on the ground, if you use a turf, most turfs have got about 18-plus different grasses in them. Yeah. So the ones that like the shade will tend to overcome the ones that don't. But you could always, in, certainly in, in areas, add later an overdress of a shade-tolerant seed mix because you've already got your layer there so you can always evolve it but it's better probably to do it with turf to start and then amend rather than going straight in with a seed mix and you've got a lot of effort and time to establish the lawn and and you get and and with seeding it is hard work i mean i'm I'm, 
you know, if you were a, a, a purist, you might say, yes, I'll do turf. But the preparation means that you've got to clear your plot of weed in the first place. You've got to get rid of all that to even start thinking about it. Whereas you will have imported some of the weed seed with what you're, you're doing, won't you have done? Can you see I, what I, I'm saying, Graham? Yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah, because the, the, the amount of uh, soil, we've got really good sort of soil. It it's looks quite good. It's sandy and, and sand-based. Yeah. Um, so, but it's, yeah, it's just full of stones and, and uh, yeah. there were uh, weeds in the lawn underneath. All turf. Of that. So we've just turf spread it sort of and, mask uh, over in a layer as possible. <laughs> right, yeah. so I would turf it, and I think what, what uh, Dave's just said is that then think longer term, it will deteriorate in the very heavy areas, but then you can, what they call overseed, which means that this time of the year, as spring arrives or autumn, you just run a rake over it and then put a bit of this um, seed that will tolerate more shade. shade. More. With your, okay. your, so your raised beds are pretty substantial. Sorry, yep. Um, um, so um, when buying turf, yes. um, what turf do we want? Do we want a hardy turf, uh, a turf that cuts uh, short? Most, uh, what's the best option? Most of the general turfs that you'll get are, are what they tend to call as good quality family lawn. Yep. And and it's it's not got hardly, or mostly they're ryegrass free, which is the coarser, rougher grasses that would be hard wearing. Um, but they're not as fine as what you ch- use on a cricket strip or, <laughs> or you know, where you're cutting them very, very short. Yep. The fine grasses don't tend to tolerate the shades uh, situation so much or wear and tear. Um, as, as the groundsman will know, every time you run up and down, they have to go out there and repair it. <laughs> but, um, so most general, so you have to, you'd have to ask um, to go outside of that box. So what you'll naturally get would be a good quality family lawn type turf. Um, and then it, you have to go specialist if you want the fine or the... But not ideal for children to Not play. ideal, no. No, you'll be out there all the time, you know, oh, no, to keep on top of it. Did you ever actually, just jumping back to your cricket days, Graham, did you ever, in those days, realise how important the turf was? I mean, obviously on the pitch, the actual pitch where you were, on outfields and things like that, did you take much interest, do you find? I, I, I was, uh, yes, I took a huge amount of interest... Um, <laughs> Uh, in particular, the groundsman at Essex, uh, Stuart Kerrison, he's been there for, well, I think, Forever. a long time. Forever. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, he's he's phenomenal when it comes to growing grass. Um, <laughs> and it was always fascinating because cricket, essentially a cricket pitch, is you're killing off the turf to make a, a playing surface. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they, they um, regrow it so quickly and get it back into condition once it's been used um, and sometimes get second use out of pitches. It is impressive. It's very impressive. And in fact, one of the problems you had down there, because I remember going there many years ago, is that you had actually fairy ring on the outfields. Now, do you know what? Do you remember the fairy rings? You had rings of bright green grass Mm, on the outfield. Yeah, Yeah, because I I don't know whether it was the grounds the groundsman we're talking about, but I met up with the groundsman and had a look at those all those years ago. So that wasn't for where the fielders need to stand in? No. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so you did, so you are interested in grass, and I think the important thing is that with turf, you can establish it quickly, children can play on it. Uh, I mean, Easter's April, yeah. if you laid it within the next month, as long as it's not too wet, work off boards, I mean, there are ways of doing it i like to always put a strip all the way around the edge first yep and then you lay it like bricks so you never put your lines in the straight do you see what i mean they yes, mustn't yes. the yeah, ends mustn't wall, yeah. yeah you got it and you put it down a brick wall 
And if you can get a couple of scaffold boards and work off those and then then walk back over those scaffold boards, even jumping on the scaffold boards to push the turf back (laughs) down, that's all you need to do. Never use a roller, just use the boards. It really works well. And then after once it's laid, you need to put any sort of uh, growth stuff on there, or just no, no. water it and let no, it and let water. it uh, take naturally. Yeah, it's. I think people make mistakes sometimes as well. They put a lot of preparation in, put the turf down, water it, and water it really well. And then you really have to just probably try and stay off it for a couple of weeks because until yeah. the the roots come out the turf and bind the soil, you'll walk on that and it's wet, and you'll end up leaving foot depressions yeah. in the in the subsoil below, and then you'll end up fiddling around trying to fill those. And you in, wouldn't need to feed it really till no. till mid to late summer. You normally find that turf when you lay turf, it absolutely romps away. Yeah. It, it takes off, and the danger is is trying to get it established and the ground dry enough for you to get on there with a lawnmower without damaging what you've done and cut it high on your first few yeah. cuts don't cut too low which i'm sure you know no not, strips. Not, no 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 strips like you've been playing on you see nothing like that now the other question you had was your raised beds wasn't it yes so we've moved all of that soil um into the garden um i put all the um the turf that we took up upside down in the bottom right and then put the remaining topsoil that we had underneath on top um, and um, we've had all sorts of ideas of what to grow. Um, we've got some potatoes that sprouted in the cupboard. Uh, <laughs> do we just put them straight into the turf, or uh, uh, if we want to grow some of our own spuds, what do we do there? You, you can, it's, it's not ideal, but, um, but you can do it. So, yeah, looking at the beds, the, the big old sleeper beds, aren't they? So you, could, you might want to just top up the, the soil where you're going to plant the potato, or plant them and top it up as you're earthing the potato up. So do you, know, do you understand earthing up? I don't know. I'm very new to right, garden. Okay. So you'll plant the potato. Yep. And I wouldn't do that really until March. So if you can get the ones that are shooted in the cupboard and put them somewhere that's bright daylight, and yep. that will slow them down and shorten the joints. Cool as well. Yep. And then plant those in March, and you're going to plant them under the ground with no visible growth. Yep. Once they stick the reds up out of the soil, then earthing up is just bringing the soil around the plant growth. So you're okay. yep. recovering it. So where the beds are a bit little bit low, if you're planting potatoes there, you can plant them and then just top up the bed and then you just get more potatoes. Would you add um, Would you add to that, Would should Graham add something to it? Because it's topsoil that's just been dug out of the front garden. Do you think it's worth adding uh, could, organic material to it? Although it, you're saying it's quite a fine quite soil, soil. So you probably so you don't could, need to. Or could you add an organic, something like a... A manure compost. A manure compost to and it? And it should be. If it's sandy and it, you know most of that area is, it'd be great um, this season for things like carrots because you've got raised beds, so you've got a good root run. So carrots, parsnips, things like that brilliant in raised beds that you can't normally get away with easily in in the normal ground oh right fantastic that's what well, that's one of the things i bought some seeds from local um uh, garden center so that's Good. what we bought so uh, when do we plant those then don't be too impatient and <laughs> one rule that i was told by andrew tokley who is uh, he's horticultural manager at king seeds he says the best thing you can do on an allotment is you buy some radish seed and you just put a few radish seed in now if a radish seed Germinates. Germinates within three or four days, you'll know the soil is warm enough. Give it a week. If they're up in a week, a radish seed, you know the soil is warm enough for you to start sowing other things. Radish is cheap. It doesn't matter if you waste them, and they're easy to handle. So, so that's your lamb, really. That's, it is, isn't it? It's your yeah. trial. 
But the, the parsnips you'll probably be out to sow before the carrots. Those are quite an early sowing normally. Yeah. Does that help you? That's fantastic. Thank you. Graham, uh, thank you very much. Um, I, do you ever get out to play a bit of cricket still? I'm, I'm uh, fully retired now. Um, uh, I, I injured my ankle a few years ago uh, oh, after yeah. I finished playing, so that put an end to any thoughts of playing. Um, but I occasionally get down to Chelmsford to go along and watch in the summer. Good uh, for you. And enjoy it. Thank you very much, Graham, for joining us today. And you know where to come as you grow your raised bed. Keep coming back to us and we'll keep helping you. Okay, I'll, I'll keep tweeting, don't worry. <laughs> okay, that's lovely. Thank you very much indeed, Graham. Thanks, thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye there. That's uh, Graham Napier who's given us a call and he's uh, a, f- a former Essex cricketer. So they are. There's, uh, he comes down to the cricket ground and watch the odd Essex game and it sounds like he wants a bit of turf. He'll be out there playing with the kids, won't he? Yeah. He will be. Plant of the week. Berberus. Linear folia. Orange King. And yes, it is orange. The flowers are out now. It's a bushy, evergreen. Okay, it's a Berberus, but it's not a nasty, spiny one. It's an evergreen, which makes it more attractive. It's upright, and it has these small, evergreen, spiny leaves. And they are, they're spiny, but they're not vicious like some of the Berberus that you come across. It grows about 1.5 high. In about 10 years, so you can keep it trimmed quite nicely. I usually keep them at about a metre. And it'll grow wide if you let it, although it's inclined to be a quite an upright grower. Why do you have it? Well, A, I've said it's an evergreen. Second, the flowers at this time of the year, clusters or racemes of bright orange. They really are. OK, they're followed by blackberry, which, of course, the birds love. So it's a lovely shrub to have in your garden. Work it in somewhere where you've got a bit of evergreen behind and it gives you this orange splash at this time of the year. It puts up with pretty well all soils. It's best planted in an aspect that is not north, but it will put up with any other aspect. doesn't like being, well, saturated, but well-drained is fine. Uh, How do you reproduce it? If you want to, take semi-hardwood cuttings, Pretty easy. Do those during the summer in a propagator. You will need a bit of bottom heat to actually get them to root. So it's great for wildlife, great for colour. What does it struggle with? Well, it gets a bit of powdery mildew sometime and can get a bit of rust and maybe Berberus sawfly. But that's about it. Other than that, Berberus, look out for it. Orange King. Let's go to Barbara from South End. What are you asking about, Barbara? Hang on, I just tell me. Yes, you've left your you've left your radio on, haven't you? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Uh, hi, Ken. Um, just a quickie, basically. I've got a beautiful, uh, variegated cordyline. Oh yeah. It's about five five to six feet now. Um, through the whole of this horrid weather we've had with the wind, it's got an awful lot of wind burn. And I'm wondering, can I move it at all? Will it, would it take a move? How old was that? It's about five to six uh, feet high, and I think it's about three years old, four years old. Are you quite close to the coast then? I know you're South End area, aren't you? Are yes, you you're yes, getting, so you're getting well, salt burn, basically? Really, no, really just bad winds. I've got a driveway, and it's actually, as it's got bigger, uh, it's taken over, and it goes buffeted. through the driveway, and that's where all the wind is coming through. Okay. 
they're not the easiest thing to move. move. They have a no. strange fibrous root and this clump in the bottom. I've tried to dig a few out to try to get rid of them. And, and if it if it's quite easy. high, they yeah. also you won't get it. You'll have to end up staking it at an angle. Yeah. It looked awful. I wouldn't. I mean, they do. Plants get damaged in the winter. That's that's just life. You know, we do. We get sunburnt in the summer and frostbite in the winter, but. We recover, and, and quite often plants, like, like some of the more tender ones, the, the variegated uh, cord lines tend to be more uh, tender than the greens. Um, but if you can just take off the old leaves, I would wait a month or so and tidy it up, you'll find you'll get a lovely flush of new growth, and it'll just lift right. the trunk up so a bit you, more. So you, you don't encourage it to be moved then I, at all? It's not a plant I would readily move. If it's in a pot, it's easy to move them around, but... Yeah. They, they have quite a, a fibrous root system that you will damage a lot trying to get it out, and then you've got this six-foot plant that will want to rock in the wind. Um, so unless it's really in the way from the plant's benefit, I would leave it where it is. Okay, right. Uh, that's it. Thank you very much, anyway. That's I thought right. I'd ask first. Yeah, they don't risk things like that if it's not essential, which it obviously isn't with Barbara, is it? No, it's, it's just, best, it's just getting beaten burn. up, isn't it? And from West Clacton. Oh, we're going along the coast, aren't we, man? <laughs> yeah? Um, yes, I've got big problems with ivy. Um, last week and all that wind, uh-huh. we lost uh, three big panes of um, fencing, the heavy stuff, mm-hmm. with the uh, trellis on. But behind the um, uh, fence was the wall, was a wall, because we've got the health centre next door. And so when it all came down, all the ivy that's all growing on the wall and the roots are in my garden between, you know, the fence. So obviously I want to kill the root because the ivy can be a pain. Now, um, uh, and it's all going all in the wall, which I've got to get off. Uh, should I? I've been said to my well, my cousin who's a gardener, but I thought I'd go past you first as well. He said, drill a hole in it and put SBK down it. That'll yeah. kill the root. Um, it will. It, it, it won't totally because ivy is so prevalent that you'll find you do get bits coming back again from it. But it, the only the best way to use anything like that is to get the the weed killer as close to the root as possible. So by cutting it down and you know, tight to the hole, ground, tight to the ground, and getting it near the root will cause more damage and do the job better than high up in the air. But don't believe that when you once you've done that, if you popped your fence panel up, that you won't then get ivy regrowing over time behind it because you very rarely kill it all off in the first go. The no, second, I'll be honest, we're not going to use the fence panel because it was there when we come here twenty years ago. Oh, right, so you're just going to have the wall itself. Use the wall. Right, which is, make, which is why you want to take it off. Half me would leave the ivy on, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cover the wall. It's that, all... I mean, that ivy is all on the top, and yeah. that could cause problems. I mean, he also said to mix it up with paraffin, SBK. No, 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 no. definitely don't do that. Don't, oh, I'm glad you rang us. You don't want paraffin anywhere near your ground, because it will kill things. It's yeah. horrible to get rid of. It's like right. putting a, a you know a fuel spillage once that gets into the ground it, it can take and contaminate the ground. It's terrible. Well, oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad I asked. With the ground, so. he, he gardens out in Norfolk. You see, he was in the city of London cemetery. <laughs> oh right. He always comes and cuts my bushes, but that ivy is a pain. Yeah, but just cut right. it and and just have some ready so you can actually mix SBK with water in right. different concentrations. And if you look on the back of the packet, it'll say I think it's one to one. 
for stumps, so equal parts. Yeah. So that's your, that's when you're drilling your hole. But then I think it's 30 and 50 and f- different levels for different things. You could paint it on the leaf as they have, yeah. couldn't you? Yeah, so, or mix up a little litre of it that you've got to hand. So as any ivy pops up out the ground and you've got some leaf surface, you can then just give it a squirt. Yeah, and, and in the end, in the wall, so I've got a trail and we're digging it out. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, but be careful. Uh, what Dave said is, you know, have some mixed up to spray as yeah. it emerges, but see that that spray doesn't go on any, any of your else. other plants. It would be all right okay, if it goes on the ground, but not the plants. That's a pleasure. And that is Anne from West Clacton. And we pop over to Harlow, don't we, to talk to Eve. Yes, good morning, uh, Ken and Dave. Morning. Um, it's just your opinion I want. Um, you can buy packets of uh, mixed seeds either country garden or wild garden. Mm. What is your opinion? The, I, I, this is going to be an interesting <laughs> one because I have an opinion not as a retailer, but he's got an opinion as a retailer. Are these for wild flower yeah, areas, the, the, really, or what? Different types. So one you want to make sure... Really, if you're if you're trying to establish a ball, is it a bed that you're trying to want to establish sort of more wild flowers in, or is it a lawn or a meadow area? It's um, uh, actually it's around the edge of uh, the garden. Yeah. Um, I can't dig or or, or sort of plant. So, so I you just want to naturalise it. Throw them round. Yeah. So what's so what what's there at the moment? Is it grass or is it what what's there? Um, they're sedum. So you've just got some plants. So, so it's, a, it's a sort. Yeah. So it's a sort of bed that's got. It's a bed, but it's over, It's it's grown wild with a bit of grass and a bit of yeah. Yes, it's all overgrown actually. Okay, right. So the the things to look out for is that you've got within the seed packet range there will be like you say different mixes for different effects effectively you know meadows and so on. Those will be just flower seeds. So they'll just be the the wild flower. Uh, seeds but you you don't get drawn into there's big box of wildflower meadow as they call it but most of it is grass seed because it's meant for establishing a meadow lawn so don't what you don't want to do is go oh that's a nice big box of seed there and all you'll be doing is lawning your beds where you want to just add pure flower seed to it um if you, you you will still need to create a tilth and and sow the seed as you would in a, in a normal way you, you can't really just scatter and run there there no. are some mixes as well that come with a coir so they have a a, a coir sort of expanding mm. compost effectively yeah. so that you can then spread almost directly onto the soil just rough it up first and water it and it sort of covers the seed for you and then it helps the the, the establishment but generally, you're better off with, with the packets of seeds, the small packets. That they're not got, too expensive either, are they? They're cheap, and there's probably several thousand seeds in each little packet, but they are purely... Just mix those up, you mean? Just Yeah, get a few, and just you'll, you'll find this, there'll be one for woodland. So woodland seed tends to be for slightly shady areas, so you'll have things like foxgloves and things like that in there. So if you've got areas that are different, so they're shady, then... Pick a, a seed mix that will suit that area more. Would it just take on the soil? Is it good enough to just spread Generally, them on the soil? Generally, the plain seeds, you, you need to still create a bit of a tilth and just rake it into the surface. Could, could you rake the soil area at all, do you think, Eve? Um, I could, yes, I think. Yeah. Um, Either that or just cover with a, a bit of compost. 
you know, if, oh, if yeah. you can just just covering the seed, it stops the or birds. Or Johnny's seed, or would you use? I, a, I would just use a John Innings. Otherwise, the peat ones just put, blow away or wash away. Johnny's um, seed, just just to cover the the seed. And once it's going, they're wild flowers. They tend to then self seed and establish in an area. How does that do you, Eve? That's very um, good. Thank you very much for your advice. Can you come back and let us know how you get on later on in the year, Eve? Because we'd love to hear how they grow. Okay? Okay, yes. Thank you very much. That's a lovely call about something that's uh, uh, going on there. Uh, if you've got a, a gardening question, why not give us a call on 0800 111 Text 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. Email me. Yeah, email me. Ken.crowler at bbc.go.uk. Um, now, let's go to... Where should we go? Tommy from Hawkwell. What are you doing Good morning, in your... Ken. Now, now, what are you doing in your greenhouse, then? It's um, algae on the roof. On the outside, this is, or inside? On the outside, yeah, between the glass and the um, frame. frame. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, all... Now, I'm going to... Now, there's a... You see, lucky I've got Dave here, you see, from a garden (laughs) centre, because he should know the products that get rid of it. He's trying to ponder what I would do, yeah. Um, So it's just growing where the water is held against the... The The glass. The the glass. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd probably just get a stick and hook it out, but... Um, could you, you use a patio cleaner? You could probably use a patio cleaner. Pe- most patio cleaners, though, don't necessarily do Get rid moss. of algae. No. They do algae, but not moss. moss. Um, so, and it's generally moss that, is, mm. that grows in those cracks, because we used to have to hook them out. But, um, so you could use a patio, if it's algae and just general green tinge over the glass and into the corners, use a patio cleaner. Um, that will do it, and then you won't need to... Um, wash it off or do anything like that they tend to dry and comes off in natural rain um, if you've got moss you can't there are you can get a, a, an out and out moss killer as a, a liquid spray and that's for generally paving and areas that you you want to get rid so you can of get one in a hand spray yeah but you've got to be able to get, apply it and reaching across the greenhouse roof trying to how, reach how the big's your greenhouse bits. then uh, tommy it's um a 12 by 8 yeah, oh, it's quite, yeah, so it's, it's quite, quite a stretch, high, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so you you can't get up to the roof very well, then, can you? Not, really? Not really? So the the, no. the, oh, the cleaner is something you could you know spray that around a little bit, and they tend not to harm plants or other things. But you'd have to be careful with any drift. If with you're a moss up, killer, up six foot in the air, spray moss killer, um, you might end up affecting other things or yourself. So yeah. I, I would. Try the if patio. It's algae, use the patio. If it's moss, just get yourself a, a bamboo cane and a bent nail in the end of it, and then you can actually carefully, carefully hook it out from the floor when you're not ling- going over the top of a glass greenhouse. Right. All right. Right. Yeah. Give it a go. Let us know. <laughs> okay, Tommy. Yeah, I have heard that um, somebody told me that bleach kills it. Oh, yeah, but bleach will kill anything else it drops on, and it will yeah. burn you as well. Oh, right. You've got to be careful. You know, if you if it's a greenhouse in the middle of a paved area with nothing else growing around it, yeah, you you, you could do it. But you better to use it's the right products in the right way, um, and then you're less likely to cause any any other accidents or uh, as I say harm harm to the the plants or yourself. Right. Patio. Okay. Patio. Patio cleaner. There's several brands out there. Ma- Patio Magic. Patio Magic or Resolver Path and Patio Cleaner. Um, several. There. Several. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, thanks very much. Back to your gardening questions in just a little while, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some ideas on things that you could be looking out for in your garden centre, because it's not just about turning up your garden centre and picking the first thing that you see. It's actually going round and getting the best best deal. Yeah, yeah. And there's a man who Navigating knows. Navigating it. <laughs> Navigating, because... It is a bit confusing. I think garden centres could be confusing, especially to new gardeners, couldn't they? Oh, very much so, because especially we go and put Latin names on everything just to make it confusing. We do indeed. And people do walk in and they're bombarded by what's there, but not really what should be there. Now, we're nearly into March. We've got mild weather. Okay, it's a bit wet out there, but it's mild weather. So, I mean, what are we thinking of doing at this moment then, Dave? Well, you've still got things like hellebores, which have obviously been in flower for for a while because of the the way the season's been. But you get a lot of the variety in in the colours at this time of year. You tend to get the whites very early on and the colours later. But these are things that there's no good waiting until June or July and think, I want to plant some hellebores because, quite frankly, they'll be gone. And, and a lot of nurseries now only grow batches of plants for the season in which they're flowering. Yep. So, you know, think it's about planning ahead, I suppose. Do you want this and, and is it there? Things like Shinomaly is a great old favourite plant. Still um, one of my favourite because it gives you colour at this time yeah, of year. Again. And they're White, flowering pink, now. Red. Lovely strong colours. Can be a wall shrub, can yeah. be a standalone shrub. Um, and they, they get forgotten because quite often people don't go to places like garden centres in February because it's cold. <laughs> but it's then with, that you will see some of these plants. So what we're saying here is that go and look at them now yeah. because they're in colour. If it's too wet, you need to plant them. You no. can just stand them on the side at home. They're not going to deteriorate, are they? No, and and you've got things like, uh, at the moment, the one litre, one litre, what's that mean to most people? How so, big's that? Yeah, <laughs> it's about a five-inch pot. Yeah. So the five-inch perennials, and obviously the term perennials is permanent, it's perennial. So things like uh, foxgloves, lupins they're all in those smaller pots at the moment and most of these plants would have been overwintered so they're a good root system inside it's not seed raised things that are going to expire and if you plant them and you get them now you get much much cheaper than going out and buying a lupin in two months time three months time when which is in a what flowering. size pot then that would be in a three litre pot which is about, about a seven eight seven inch eight inch pot pot so if you buy those now instead of perhaps eight pounds or nine pounds they're four pounds and you plant them and they'll be the same size plant as the eight pound one in just three months time. on yeah because all the nurseries are doing are putting that plant on and growing it on which is what you're paying for yeah so you can save some value and if you if you're looking at doing new perennial beds and things like that actually getting out there now and buying what looks quite small plants because most of it's underneath in the pot you can save a lot of money by planting those beds out early yeah. with smaller plants than wait until you know perennial time and garden centres are full of flowering perennials but you're not going to get much value out of them i mean i'm, I'm being a bit cheeky but really i mean a garden center is a shop yeah it's no different from walking into a supermarket and they're showing you what they want you to have yes and it's the same business isn't it whatever oh, yeah. we do so what we're saying is really you're jumping the queue really a little yes. bit aren't yeah. you you're jumping the queue and you're going to do a bit of the growing that instead of paying a nursery to do it for you and you get a good range because they're small pots we can hold a lot of range because we don't need so much space mm. to show it um so it's worth it and things like raspberry canes if you're gonna yeah do raspberries you can get them now and they're still they're in bundles bundled. aren't they yeah yeah and people tend to wait until see they see raspberries and then the bundles are all rooted together 
and they tend not to separate them. I'm sure most just get planted as a clump. And really, you've got to get them now, get them separated and get them planted before they come into growth. And again, you'll save a lot of money and get plenty of raspberries. Now, we mentioned raspberries, but actually, there's, you could get... Can you get bare root all the range, basically? Mostly, things like your blueberries, uh, gooseberries and, and those sort of things are always single plant pot. Yeah. Potted, so it doesn't really matter okay. now or later because they're growing they're in there. the pot. Strawberries um, are just coming through now. Are they in pots? They're in pots, so you can keep them, but they tend never to be around when you think about it. So when it's strawberry time, you can't really buy strawberry plants. They've been and gone. So make sure that they've had a winter chill, which most of the fresh strawberry plants have. They've been put in a chiller, which helps them set the flower and fruit in that first year. And you can still get... I mean, people say you shouldn't pick the fruit, but, I mean, nowadays why people not? do. Yeah. Why not? And I think the plants are strong enough, you get plenty from them. So they are. There's some good ideas um, for having a look round and taking advantage of your local nursery or garden centre. Taking advantage in the nicest possible way <laughs> and enjoying the f- planting and getting out in the garden. That's so important. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. And now we go off to near Ipswich with Jeff, don't we, Jeff? Oh, yes. Good morning to you both. Hi. Good morning. Um, basically, I'm going to be in the next week or so putting my first early spuds in. And normally I'd use a chicken manure pellet to go in with it. Can you think of anything else that's better than that? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I, I'm a fan of blood fish and bone, generally. You, you use that a lot, I don't use you? that a lot because I think it's got pretty much... always. And it's slower to release, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's probably about eight weeks release time, where chicken pellets tends to be a, a much shorter period, especially if it's, it's wet. Months, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's, it's only really generally a nitrogen boost that you get from the pellets where bloodfish and bone, you get the night, it comes out in phases because the bone meal is actually potash rather than the blood that's nitrogen. So I tend to mix both. If I use pellets, I'll use a bit of bloodfish and bone as well, or grow more, which will just stretch the time that the, the food's available. Yeah, so I've been doing it for a couple of years, and I thought maybe I, I, only because, you know, they were available to me. Yeah, so I just they're, they're good. Maybe... I, I tend to use the pellets when the potato is growing. So if you want to get at it, give them an extra feed once yeah. they're out the ground and growing, yeah. scattering a few chicken pellets around on the top of the soil is a good way of giving them a boost. Yeah, I've got to put them in because, unfortunately, I won't be able to be digging my garden because I have an open on my fingers. And uh, so, basically, I need to get them out. I'm lucky here because it's fairly light, sandy, heathy soil. Anyway. Oh, that's handy, yeah. yeah. yeah which, which the light soils don't hold the nutrients very well. No. So uh, That's you, the reason I always put plenty of stuff in. Yeah, yeah. You, I would say it's a grow more blood, fish and bone and or chicken pellets, but perhaps in combination so you get the, yeah, the best be of all... But yeah, don't overdose. No, you're better to, to reapply it. You know, if once a month, I tend to think the best way to feed a garden is just to get a bucket of blood, fish and bone or, or grow more, one, any of the slower released things, and just go out once a month and scatter a few bits around, and you'll always have a continual sort of drip feed of food available to the plants. So, thank you for that. Just a quick side, you might yeah. find funny. I went into my local store today and uh, to buy the seed potato because I've just returned from abroad, and... Uh, I noticed in the corner there's a pile of them being reduced, and the reason for them being reduced is because they had shoots on them. They shooted, 
So the you ideal bought... lengths that I would want. I was going to say, so I hope you bought the reduced ones. I did indeed. They cost me 75 pence instead of a lot more than that. Yeah, it's, it's funny that, that you know, certain varieties as well tend to shoot in the bag. Yeah. And people just, it puts people off. Yet they then, you can you, snip them back yeah, anyway. Just cut them back and let them re, reset. Reshoot. They tend not yeah. to be that stocky. But, yeah, are only just about between a quarter and a half inch long. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Saves <laughs> you all that time chipping them. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, good to hear from you. And that's Jeff up in Ipswich. And uh, just a quick, well, it isn't a quick question, actually. It's not an easy one. Uh, <laughs> Eve from Clacton has asked, my flowers smell of onions. They have blue flowers. So in other words, she's got... Uh, I believe it has long green leaves, which can be... Uh, how does she get rid of them and the smell? It sounds like it sounds wild like, garlic. It, or... smells like, well, it sounds like wild garlic. What yeah. can I put on them to rid of the smell? Well, you can't. You've got to either get rid of the plant. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. do have a small... It's early for flower, though, isn't it? Uh, they can be... Yeah. Unless it's a chive, but it's a job to guess which one mm. it might be. But the blue If you're flower... trying to get rid of it... You're going to end up using something like a glyphosate, you, you aren't you? You need to, and they've got a very waxy sort of grass-like yeah. leaf, so you, you need to sort of crunch up the leaf before you apply it to get it in. But they generally are, you know, little bulbules underneath the ground, and, and it's a real pain to get rid of. So but don't I'm dig sorry, it out. The, don't dig it out because you'll spread, spread, the, spread the bulbules. Use something like um, you could use one of the... Well, you've got Roundup, you've got... Most of them have glyphosate in them. Glyphosate. Look, yeah, because there's nothing else. No, they've took the diaphragm away. It's all gone. It's all gone. (laughs) There we go. Okay, that's hopefully helped you, Eve from Clacton. You see, we were in the coastline, weren't we? Now we're going down to Brentwood to talk greenhouses with John, aren't we, John? Good morning. Well, not really. I haven't got one. Why not? Why haven't you got a greenhouse then? Come on. No, I don't want a greenhouse. Oh. (laughs) Um, You know this green roof one you've just been talking about? Yes. Can I mention a product that really works? What have you used, then, that really works? Algo Clear, and that does yeah. moss as well. Oh, right, yeah, I've heard of that. That's good, yeah. Algo Clear? Algo Clear, yeah. yeah. It's no. Really good. It's really good. So I use it on uh, fences, uh, you know, where they get green one side. Yeah. And it, I did it about um, a year ago, and it's not come back yet. That's good. That's yeah. good. No, John, that's what this program is about. If we can spread the word of things that work for you that can help other people, that's what we want. Right. Can I have a, one question? Well, John, do you think <laughs> I should let you? Yes, as you've given us a tip, yes, I reckon you can. Is it where do you buy greenhouses right. from? <laughs> I've got to uh, talk about moss. You can't use this stuff on the lawn, remember no. that, that no. I've just spoken about. Right, I've got moss on the lawn, and I actually went out there with a hand rate you know, a tine thing, mm. and got a devil of a lot up. Now, is it too wet, really, to do it properly with a machine? I think you've, uh, the real rule on... You haven't tried killing it off, have you? No, because I have... I can't kill it off. Well, the problem there is that, actually, by raking, you actually spread it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a moss killer that will work on lawns and only but, kill moss. Is that bio... yeah, but I have a tortoise running round on the... Lawn can you and you I can still use it. You could use what's it called? Bite, uh, blah, 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 blah. Well, it, one. there is one, and, and Safe Lawn is a, a completely organic that you can use with children and pets. It's not a moss killer, but it effectively there's a like a friendly fungus in it that helps slows the growth of moss, so the grass can then take over. So if there's no room for moss to grow, what na- what's that? What That's name Safe Lawn. 
that's safe a lawn. safe lawn. It's like a general four in one, but all natural products that can be applied. It doesn't scorch, and there is a, a seed mix in there as well. So you'll overseed the areas and deter the moss growing. Now there is another one. I can't remember its I can't remember its name. I can't remember its name, but it's a moss killer. It's a it's a moss killer that is organic that actually kills the moss naturally and organically. Yeah. It's got it's, I think it's got citrus base or something in it. Um, I never knew what was in it, but actually it gets rid of the moss, but it's organic and safe, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it won't harm your tortoise. And in fact, you don't get it in garden centres. I think it's nearly all mail order, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But you if, can't remember the name. No, but I'll tell you what, will someone do. will find it out for me, <laughs> I'm listening. sure. Keep listening. It's called Bio Something or something like that, isn't yeah. it? I, I was trying no. to... We won't get there, so we won't stand it, sit here guessing. We'll see if someone else can come up with it. How about that, John? All right? OK, thanks a lot. Thank you for your call. That's John. That was John, wasn't it, I was speaking to? Yeah. And now we go to Alan, who's talking uh, greenhouses. Is that right, Alan? Yeah, that's right, Ken. Uh, about 20, 25 years ago, when I used to wash mine down, I, yep. was told, I was told to use something called oxalic acid. I don't know if that's about or if it's been banned. Oxalic acid. It's whether you can get it. I mean, it's years ago we used to use all of the chemicals pretty much in their raw state. I mean, you used to be able to buy pure glyphosate and things like that, but now you, you just, you know, sodium chloride for, for weed yeah. killing, but you just can't get those. I don't know whether you could get it or not. The only place, chance you do is to go to a chemist who sometimes chemists still sell some because they have other uses, don't yeah. they? But um, it's not something I've, I've heard in general sell. No, I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah. No, Alan, that's very helpful. You know, I mean, you know, listeners can then go out and try and see if they can find these products. Because well, that's yeah, what it's about. I think it was it was a powder. You just mixed it down with water and just brushed it on, and then water and canned it off. Yeah, okay. quite often when you look for the, these elements, quite often they're on the back of the packet as part of the mixture that that they supply. So it's worth looking on the the ingredients and such to see if that's in there. Yeah, anyway, I thought I'd just pass on. No, thank you very much indeed. That is what this gardening programme is all about here on BBC Essex, are people passing on useful information to help others across the county and well, and beyond, because Alan's from Hertfordshire. We've spoken to Suffer. We get questions from Kent. Going around the country. Oh, we, go, we go anywhere. And don't forget, it's a podcast that uh, people are listening to across the world. So don't forget that if you've got a question and you're in USA or Australia, we'll answer it. All you have to do is email me, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Steve's in a windy position by the sound of it in Colchester. Is that right, Steve? Hello. Hello, Hello Steve. It's a bit windy where you are. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, firstly, I would just like to say, Ken, there's um, uh, a weed and moss killer, but I'm not sure if it's organic. Am I allowed to say where it comes what, from? What one have you used? Oh, it's, shall I just say where I bought it from? I don't know yeah. the actual name of it, but it's called a moss, a moss and weed killer, and I've got more weeds and moss than grass in the front grass, and I used it, but you've got to use it sparingly because it does scorch the grass. All oh, right. Well, most uh, moss killers will scorch grass if you apply them too heavily. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's Am I allowed to say the company? Yeah, go on. Where'd you get it? Uh, Wilco. 
<laughs> we'll probably... okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they're out yeah, there. Other stores are available. Other stores are <laughs> available. You're quite right. Other yeah. stores are available, and there's many uh, weed and moscas, and you've used it, and it did clear up the moss and weed? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. They are. There's a man who's found who's found some that works, um, and we now go, whoa, that was, uh, that was Steve, wasn't it, in Colchester? Did you have a question about daffodils, Steve? Yes, I did. <laughs> right, sorry. Come on, what's your daffodil question? Right, I planted some daffodils in a pot, um, and um, it's a bit windy, and there's some in flower, there are a lot of them bud, and I didn't know whether I could wrap them with bubble wrap to protect them, no. or just leave them to the elements. You're, you'll find that if, cover, you, will they? if you wrap them, they're stretch, and then probably be more prone to being blown over. Um, well, I used to grow pots, oh, daffodils for show, and grow them in pots. And the only thing I used to do is put some little, you know, the split green canes, little f- yeah. small green canes. Put a couple of those, three or four, round round the pot, and then a bit of tomato twine or something like that, just so okay. that it creates a ring. And then if they yeah. blow, they won't blow all the way. It just gives them a bit of support. But they're but used the to sort of getting blown about. But you just don't want them to be blown over. To pieces, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, Lynn. Lovely. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. That's a pleasure. And now we go to... We're staying on moss killers. We're heavy on moss killers today, aren't we, Jeff, in Little Wakering? Yeah. Uh, uh, the moss killer is M-O-Bacter. That's it. Mobacter. <laughs> that's it. And it also... It also this, you, don't, you don't have to touch the, you know, the, the moss. It, it, it gets rid of itself. That's it. it. It works itself and fertilises the yeah. lawn. And, yeah, people... and also the weed killer yep. is weed-free. A oh, weed-free. It's in, it's, in, it's in a red carton at Wilkinson's. Oh, right. <laughs> We're getting all <laughs> the ads today, aren't we? Yeah, Mo Still... Bacta, you have to go to a big nursery. Yes, yeah. Mo Bacta. So thank you very yeah. much for that. So hopefully okay. people are listening and they've got it. I, I knew it was Mo something or Bacta. I couldn't yeah. get it right. So it's Mo Bacta. I've, I've used it. And it works really well for you, Jeff? Yeah. Fantastic. You have to put it on thin, though. Yes, because yeah. it's not... You sprinkle it with your hands. If not, you burn, don't you? Burn the lawn. Yeah, you, what you do, you wait wait till the grass is damp and then yep. put it on. Oh, okay, right. lovely. Okay. You're a, it takes you're, about for, for a couple of weeks. Jeff, you're a star. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> they are that. See, that's what BBC Essex is all about. Don't forget, I did remind you about the uh, podcast, and the podcast, don't forget, is on BBC Sounds. Uh, but you have to search for me by name. It's under Ken Crowther. It's not under gardening, which is where you'd expect it to be. But I won't even go there on why that's so. <laughs> but uh, still try try and find it if you want to find it. It's got tips, extra tips, some good tips this week, and an interesting plant. So there are extra things that you can get on the podcast. Available about mid-afternoon. Let's go to Hazel in Lee. Hello, mm-hmm. Hazel. Good morning, Ken. How are you? I'm fine. What are you up to? Um, I've got a problem with our red robin's bushes. They've got black spot on the leaves, and I'm getting yep. all sorts of information uh, on the computer, and quite frankly, I don't know what to do. So you've come to the right place. <laughs> really good. It's something that we don't worry too much about this okay. time of year. This time of year, but it's also cleanliness, isn't yeah. it? It's, Is it? It's caused by stress mainly, isn't it? Quite often, or just the, the start of new growth, because yeah. you lose the old leaves. Is it on the old leaves, not on the new ones? 
it's on the old leaves. I mean, it's yeah. growing lovely at the top. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful, so but uh, most evergreens the will We've will taken drop. all the old leaves away from the plant. That's the yeah. most important. Don't put it on the compost heap. Give it to the council. Oh right, okay, fair enough. And <laughs> will late. they die? I hope not. <laughs> no, it's because they they basically it will be it'll be a fertinia spot most yeah. likely, which is a bacterial thing. So therefore, like it, rose, it like black rose, spot on roses. black spot on roses, not the same link, so yeah. different okay. different one. But it could be there. So it's just cleanliness, which is what you've done. Yeah. And would you bother spraying? You wouldn't, would you? I wouldn't. And quite often this time of year, evergreens that are going to start coming into to new growth, and it's a bit earlier this year than most, but they will sort of lose their old leaves because they only last about a year to 18 months anyway. So people get worried about leaf drop in the spring, but it's actually quite a natural thing because... They're doing new, so and then give them a feed, good feed, they and maybe a trim up if you need and to. A trim up after the red, after, after you've enjoyed the red. the red. There, it's as easy as that. Thank you very much for your question, Hazel. Don't forget 0800 111 Dave Gillen's my guest today here on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour. And okay, we'll be back taking your calls and texts and emails in a little while. But we've been looking today at. What is around in nurseries and garden centres and why you should think about getting out now and having a look, even if the weather isn't great? Because (laughs) plants don't hurt if you bring them home. And bulbs are out, aren't they? Summer, what we call summer. Summer I know the garden centre's lovely. It calls summer flowering bulbs. But in fact, half of them aren't bulbs, are they? (laughs) In fact, more than half aren't bulbs. It does confuse people as well because they just sort of... You do sell summer in the winter and spring in the autumn. It's sort of, it does nonsense in a way, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So we've got dahlia, which we talked about. Yeah. I know last time you were in yeah. on how to set them if you were keeping your own. Yeah. So dahlias are out. Look for those at this time yeah. of year. Because the problem is with a lot of this stuff, the dahlias and, and begonias, gladioli, they they don't we don't replenish. So once the, the stuff's gone, it's gone. So you can get them even like sweet potatoes. We've, we've probably got a quarter of what we started with, yeah. even though it's not yet time to plant them. Because people buy them, take them home, start chitting them or preparing them. So you can still do that with the dahlias. You can take get the tuber. And we're even getting very near to that time where you might want to start waking them up anyway. Mm. And then you'll get a lovely big strong plant early in the season with early flower rather than again waiting until buying a big plant that's been grown for you. Um, probably the difference of about five pounds. So we mustn't forget as well, you've got, you mentioned two things, begonias you don't start yet, no. dahlias only if you want to take cuttings, but we won't yeah. go there because we did that the other yeah. week. Um, we've got gladioli, yeah. big ones, small ones. You get pot ones, all sorts, all cut sort. flower, yeah. Lovely range. And then you've got some odd, uh, odd ones, you've got oh, unusual <laughs> flowers as well. It's yeah. tivid- is it tividia or... Yes. Nvidia? Yeah, the, the little tiger Li- lily. Tiger lily yeah. flowers, they're lovely. They're lovely, and there's all sorts of things. You can get things like um, poppy, the, the giant flowering poppies right. as, as root clumps. Um, you can get hostas as, as bare root clumps still. Things like that that you can plant and, and fill out the garden quite quite cheaply. Right. So, okay, so look out for those now rather yeah. than leave it too long. Um, <laughs> if it's a root clump, do you just open the bag and keep Literally it open the bag, keep and, it frost free, and wait for yeah. the weather to turn to or plant? Or even just pop it in a pot, um, but just don't let it be too wet, and then it'll, it'll slowly wake up. Um, and most of them are hardy type plants, you know, like 
the poppies if they do wake up they can wake up and go outside mm. mostly so what else we got around at this time of year then well in the, in the bed inside so if we want to sort of cheer ourselves up with a bit of instant instant colour we could do with that with a bit of rain <laughs> that we've yeah. had the, we've got the obvious pansies and violets yeah. and things like that but actually now and it seems to be getting more popular some of the more wild plants as bedding plants so we've got things like cowslips which right. will form their own clump and they'll be there from one year to the next. See them on the roadside, yeah, even. Yeah, and they quite often self seed and will colonise an area. So, you know, by planting a few things like that in an area. Primroses, do you get? Wild primroses. I mean, yeah. obviously, none of these things can be physically wild. That they're, they're no, wild. they're the wild species yeah, wild that is grown on. grown commercially because we're not allowed to take these wildflowers no. out, out of the wildlife. And that's actually a good reminder that people mustn't dig them up out of the wild. Yeah. Snowdrops, Snow primroses, cowslips, you mustn't... Bluebells. Bluebells, they're all protected, they, aren't they? They all have to be commercially grown from cultivated stock. It's, it's, uh, but you buy them now yeah. and plant them now. That's it, and we've got things like snakeshead fritillaria, which... Are lovely and very oh, much gorgeous. now, and they're in flower now. But when you want them later, they're gone. So you, no one remembers to plant them in the autumn. But they're gorgeous and they're good planting things like that. Same with snowdrops. If you plant them as a green growing plant, you're more self-seed likely to get yeah. them to self seed and come back again next year. So there's really plenty of things to to think about to actually benefit, further rather than line. yeah, further rather than wait yeah. when they are they're. They're more difficult to find, and yeah. particularly and on the find, bulb wines, yeah. you've mentioned several bulbs that are in the green now growing, yeah. which are difficult to get to grow from if you bulb. plant them from a dry it. bulb. Yeah, it's just ways of getting a head start, because uh, buying on the spot or buying at that late stage normally costs more money because someone's done something for you. I would like to say that... Um, we normally pop this one in at half past, but it's, well, it's nearly quarter to. But this is quite a nice one. I recently got a job as a delivery driver for a herb farmer. Does that mean I'm a time traveller? What do you reckon? <laughs> That's from our armchair gardener in Braintree. Thank you very much for that. It's always good to hear from you. Um, and we'll now go back to the phones and talk to Gloria. What do you reckon, Gloria? Oh, good morning. Fed up with the wind. It <laughs> <laughs> is a bit, isn't it? Yes. Um, I have a large honeysuckle, which is growing up a, a side of a, a tin fence, which has actually gone over next door and going up their um, cherry tree, which right. they said they quite like because it does flower really well. However, the, the thing that holds it up on the wall has come loose from the fence I tried to tie it up. I had a friend, we tied it back the other day, but it's come off again. And I don't know whether I ought to cut it down to the ground or what do you suggest? (laughs) So you're going to have a hard job probably putting the support back on while the plant is attached to it and going up a tree as well. It probably is about 10 foot, goes up about 10 foot. Mm. I suppose... If it, was, one, it? if it was me and I wanted to keep it and keep it up the, up there, rather than trying to fix it back to where it was, because obviously that's not a, a particularly secure thing it's being tied to. No. You, a couple of stakes? Yeah, you could put a couple of stakes in and then at least you put those in independent of, of the, the fence um, and that will hold the trellis or whatever you, it's growing up in the first place. But the um, trellis is all collapsed as well. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, if you if you have some stakes, you can then just poke, you know, run wires between the the posts, and then you can tie to the wires. So you you can do It'd that be more without, substantial, wouldn't it? Yeah, without. But if not, yeah, it's a bit difficult because it's on a shingle bed. Uh, What's underneath the shingle? Uh, concrete, I think. Ah, right. And it was digged. It's been in there about twenty years. It was a hole dug, and the thing was put in when so the, the roots are probably uh, under the concrete. So all you can do mm. is fix something. Put battens on the fence. Yeah, it's just about you need yourself a handyman. It sounds like, and you need someone with a with a, a drill, a drill and a raw, few screws, screws and raw plugs <laughs> to really get a proper fixing on there. Because you've got to put it back onto the yeah. Onto I mean, the, you should be able to take the old trellis away out of the out of the plant without damaging the plant. Cut it out, can't you? Yeah, just cut the trellis out. Put a new piece on on the wall. So you, you you think I should keep it rather than cut it down? Well, it's doing its job, isn't it? And as you say, your neighbour likes it up the tree. You you like seeing it. If you cut it down, it won't take that long to to regrow and and get back up the tree. But you okay. still got to do the same job and put a bit of trellis up to hold it when it regrows. Right, I'll so look for a man. <laughs> find yourself a, a, a handy man and yep, make sure he's got a, a drill and a screwdriver. Righto, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, thanks for, very <laughs> much. Right. Thank, thank you for your call. That's Gloria from Ipswich. Uh, my dwarf buddleia in a large pot is five foot high, covered in healthy leaves. Should I really prune it down as I have been advised? That's Dave in Wickford. Now, it would dep- it, saying it's a dwarf buddleia, do you think it's one of the new varieties? Because you don't prune those as hard, do no, you? No, but at five foot, it's not it's that too dwarf, hard. is it? <laughs> no. So it's probably so one of the in-between. In-between. I would, but I just find if you don't prune buddleias, you get the old wood becomes older yeah. and it becomes just top growth. And in a pot, you want a nice-looking plant. And it I must agree. I've taken a chainsaw occasionally <laughs> to a, to a buddleia because they, they're, that, they're yeah. that old and rug- yeah. hard at the bottom, but they, aren't they? they don't mind, do they? they no, come they're back. still growing. So I'll so, give it a, perhaps a, a trim to tidy it and just keep the growth fresh, but it's probably worth doing it now before it gets into too much more new growth. You can, or we can squeeze a call in on 0800 4041 and we go to Pamela in Ockenden Village. Hello, Pamela. Hello there. Good afternoon. Um, yes, I've got major problems. I've just been out looking. We had a tarmac front path and the house faces north. And there's just so much thick moss. I really don't know where to start with all the rain that we've had. Um, so I'm wondering what tips you could get, you know, that I can move it quicker and really just how to get rid of it. That's what I'm asking. So it's moss on tarmac? Yes, the, the front path is, um, I think they're always tarmac, aren't they? How yeah, About 25 years ago. Um, but I'm looking at it and it's thick and shiny and green and um <laughs> it, it needs something and i really don't know where to start so it's it's not so it's not normally like the same problem you get on the lawn in the sense that if you get a really you know you can get what they call scrapers and you can mm. get a really stiff broom and quite often you'll move it off of there um it's probably easier than trying to kill it and then it's going to end up sort of sitting there looking pretty pretty messy um, a wire brush does the trick and you can often get those little yeah. deck scrubs um, on a longer handle so you're not sort of on your hands and knees and just right. move it off once it gets we get into drier times it won't regrow because it's dry but it's just where you say north facing dampness we've had a lot of rain lots of rain yeah and there's just enough porousness in that tarmac for, for the spores to, to grow but I, I wouldn't use a chemical necess- no. unnecessarily no. I think a physical 
bit of elbow grease. Um, get rid of it. Get rid of it, and you'll probably find it won't come back at all. I've never had it before, but then I don't think we've ever had such a wet winter. It's been uh, so wet No, it's a great year. Mild. A great year for moss yeah, this year. Wet and mild, Superb. perfect. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll be thinking of you both when I sort of get yep. the brooms out and make a start then, if that's the best way to do that's it. That's it. And, and then you enjoy your cup of tea at the end and think that we've helped you <laughs> in your I health campaign. I need more than a cup of tea. <laughs> <I'm pretty laughs> and it's, it's all about keeping healthy, you see. Gardening's about keeping healthy, Pamela. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll certainly have a go anyway. Thank you all very right. much right. for your help. That's a pleasure. That's Pamela from Ockenden. Um, we had, I was just trying to work out where she'd gone, but I, I think I've worked it out. Now, Victoria says, what would you use to feed a young lollipop bay tree and when? And then she followed it up by saying, just to add, I think, because the first one doesn't say it's Victoria, but I think the two add together, just to add, could I use fish blood and bone meal? Yes. So the answer is yes. I mean, would you choose that? About for a, I imagine um, the small lollipop tree is in a container, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it should be in a container. Oh, yeah, I would use it. Um, some people, the only people that don't like using it is um, because of what it is. It is exactly what it says on the tin, fish, blood and bone. Um, you can, if you've got wildlife problems, i.e. foxes and things, you can sometimes encourage them to have a little scratch around in the areas you've used it. If that is the case, then you could probably use something like Growmore yeah. or uh, Q4 is a very good granular fertiliser um, but yeah I wouldn't use a liquid feed necessarily because basing pots they just want lowish amounts but consistent and regular so yeah not a bad suggestion you you made yourself <laughs> now poor old Patrick he had moss on his roof and he was saying it damaged the tiles and even he had a leak through the roof he's, he's not had a good time so he's not happy about moss at all because it cost him 850 to replace the tiles yeah it can get it can actually it does them, doesn't it? it it's it's a devil and there's not an easy answer i don't think no. is there an easy answer on roots is i had it's only clue preventing it really but yeah you can i think put a lacquer on that stops the it's the money again, a, though. And, of course, yeah. a lot of the roofs nowadays, they're older roofs, they're struggling, aren't they, with yeah. all those sort of things. So they are. There's, um, all these things happen and are not fun if we get caught with them. David from Brentwood. Hello, David. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, um... Dave. Dave, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, forget that one, will you? <laughs> forget your own name. <laughs> what yeah, can we do for you? With the moss. Yeah, the lady with the moss. Um, to, to try it with a, a, a hard brush. Mm. If she gets a long raker, yeah. you know, with a with a with a metal metal tie, spring rake. Yes, yeah, a, a spring rake. Get a spring rake and just go over the top. So you're going to break the surface, mm. and, and then you'll get it brushes off a hell of a lot easier. Does it? Yeah. Does it know, damage? Will it damage the surface much? Do you think it shouldn't do? I mean, if it does, the tile looks pretty tired. Yeah. Well, that's true. You only, you, only want to break, you only want to break your top surface. Yeah, and then you can move it along with a brush after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sounds like a good idea. Liverwort's the worst what? stuff to get off because it sticks like glue to the stuff, but moss is, yeah. say, a rake But again, you it. can get rid of liverwort walk now, can't you? Black spot remover, isn't it? Called? Yeah, it that one gets rid of that, doesn't it? Yeah. So there's so many things yeah. out there today, and... Uh, a lot of them are natural, aren't they? That's yes. another one. That's citrus-based, isn't yeah. it, that one? Yeah, more and more there seems to be natural solutions. So, yeah, there's some good things around as well. So there. Uh, thank you, David, for your suggestion. That's a good idea indeed. OK? Thank you, and Thank you. Thank you. Um, how do you stop foxes, cats, pooing in my large tubs? Anne. <laughs> you don't. Got any you ideas? Can't. Yeah, well, you, you can, can wire net them. Can't, wire net, you can wire net, but that's a pain if you've got things like 
primulas or, or bulbs trying to grow bulbs. through it. Well, bulbs depends on the bulb. Yeah. Because a tulip struggles to get through the wire netting, yeah. doesn't it? And then you want to take it off and pull the heads off the flowers because they're growing through the netting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just it might be look what food you're using if you're using a fertilizer or a bone meal or a blood fish and bone that might attract them. Um, but there aren't really a lot you can do about that. Gene in Braintree, we haven't ignored you. Um, I had my husband's grave turfed earlier in the year, but now it's sunk because of the weather. If I put topsoil on it, will it grow through or have you any advice? It really needs lifting in the soil underneath, doesn't it? It does. I mean, it will grow through a little, but what, an inch max? uh, Max an inch. I would say if you've done it in half-inch layers, then it's quite safe. So you can do it over a period of time? Yeah, Yeah. just just don't put too much on because you'll end up killing it off. And then then you square one. And you could actually put that on and seed at the same time. Wouldn't hurt, just a little bit of overseeding. But keep it thin. Do it regularly, and then you'll build the levels back up. And I'll expect people to come back to me next week when gardening's on at 11 o'clock to let me know how you keep foxes and cats out of your uh, tubs. Yes. Because Dave and I haven't a blooming (laughs) clue on how to stop that at all. Um, Gardening is here every Saturday morning. Don't forget the podcast, which will be available... Well, it's available about mid-afternoon. It's under Ken Crowther because no one's got it under gardening yet, but I'm not going to complain. So you look for (laughs) Ken Crowther and you should be able to find it. And uh, that's all from us. And thank you, Dave, for coming in. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme. Take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you've got a gardening question, join us next week, Saturday, from 11 here on BBC Essex. And give us a call then on 0800 111 40 41 and be part of the programme. 